0: Well, good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Trinity. We're glad that you are here. Uh, a joy to be able to spend this time together, whether in person or online. We are grateful for the opportunity to make much of God and his grace and kindness to us, his sufficiency for us in all that we face in this life. And we have the pleasure of coming to his word together uh, to be encouraged to lift up our gaze up ever so slightly to see his glory and grace. And so let's go to his word. Um, If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 as we continue our series in uh, this incredible letter that's giving us a picture of gospel doctrine and then how that gospel doctrine shapes a gospel culture and the life of the church. We are in the last leg, if you will, of this journey through Ephesians. We're spending some time looking at the armor of God carefully, and slowly, uh, we've slowed down our pace uh, to do that, and this morning we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. So again, as I noted last week, I'm going to read verse uh, chapter six, verse 13, and then the corresponding piece of armor that we're going to be focused on for that morning. So we're going to read verse 16, or excuse me, verse 13, and the last portion of verse 14. Hear God's word. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We get to come to it together and we pray that you would use it deeply and mightily in our lives to bring timely encouragement to our souls. And would you be with the preaching of your word and the hearing and the receiving and the believing, the trusting of your word to your glory, to our good, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Security and confidence are definitely crucial, friends. Think about your job or a relationship or A goalie on an ice rink. When you are secure in your job, secure in your relationship, secured with all the proper equipment, you have the confidence to work hard, to be yourself, to take on the puck. When you don't have security, your confidence wanes. Imagine the Bruins goalie wearing a Celtics uniform, and some of you probably would say, I think he is given the last week or so, just wouldn't fit, wouldn't be all that secure, nor then that confident. Whenever we feel security, we have confidence to live. Same can be true and said of our faith. When we are feeling secure, we have the confidence to live out in light of that faith. And that's where we come to when we consider the breastplate of righteousness. As we're working through this picture of the armor of God, one that's more rooted in the Old Testament than it is that imaged by a Roman soldier, as we will look at here in greater detail in a moment, the hope is that it produces in us, or gives us the sense of the security that we have, thereby bringing about confidence to live out our faith in a world filled with many kinds of schemes to divert your faith off of God and Christ and the Spirit. So as we explore what is being said here about the breastplate of righteousness, there are two things that emerge, One is when we think of the breastplate of righteousness, we'll see that it helps, guards our heart. It guards our heart. The piece of armor over our torso guards our hearts. And then secondly, gives us courage. The breastplate of righteousness gives us courage. And I hope that both of these will be encouraging to us today. Let's explore, guards our heart. The breastplate of righteousness guards our heart. It protects and defends. I mean, that's the role of the breastplate. It, it protects and it defends. The breastplate protects and defends the vital organs. That which is vulnerable and vital to us living. Vulnerable, meaning they're easily hurt if exposed. Vital. These things that the breastplate of righteousness is guarding is necessary for life and well-being. By using this image, Paul wants us to know that the breastplate is covering that which is vulnerable and vital for our faith. In a word, our hearts. The Bible uses hearts, the word heart, to signify the innermost part of us from which we think and feel and live. It's the most vulnerable thing of us. And here the breastplate is protecting that, defending that which is most vulnerable of us. Since this is armor that Paul is drawing our attention to, then we need to realize that there is something about the schemes set up by Satan, operating in this world that is targeting, then, the heart. Targeting your heart. Targeting that which is most vulnerable and vital to you. We need to see the seriousness of this, then. And the sufficiency of that which God has provided in it. What is it then that God has provided? Well, we see that this breastplate is called the breastplate of righteousness. And you might wonder, what then is this righteousness? And that's where we need to jump into the Old Testament to see what Paul is bringing in to the New Testament to show us that God has taken up the cause for us. And has provided for us something that we could never make or or gain on our own. So let's understand the context, of what was operating here, with Paul says, the breastplate of righteousness. There's a, a fascinating passage in Isaiah 59. Isaiah is an Old Testament book of the Bible, toward the middle of it. It's a big uh, book of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's part of what is called the prophets, which is uh, God speaking through messengers to the people of God about his, his judgments and his promises of restoration. Isaiah is a prophet, and he is forth-telling, not simply foretelling, but forth-telling what God would do through judgment and restoration. The context of Isaiah 59 is one in which God's people have come to the realization of their consequences for abandoning God. They abandoned God in thought, they abandoned Him in word, they abandoned him in deed. Their very hearts bailed on God, were hardened, and cared not for the things of God. The context of Isaiah 59 gives us this incredible realization of the people of God. In verses 9-13, through I want us to, to look at these, they should be on the screen. I want us to look at these and consider this realization of what a heart that abandons God is experiencing. So the people of God are saying, therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight among those in full vigor. We are like dead men. We all growl like bears, we moan and moan like doves, we hope for justice, but there is none for salvation. But it is far from us, for our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord Turning back from following our God. Speaking oppression and revolt. Conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. This is devastating. Devastating condition. They experience the consequences of their rejection of God. In exile and in judgment. That's what's happening here in Isaiah 59. But then... Something most remarkable occurs. A people who long for light but only are in the dark. Who are groping around in the dark trying to find something that they'll never find on their own. Who know what they deserve. Something remarkable occurs here in Isaiah 59. God looked upon this and promised to deal with it himself. Isaiah 59, verses 15 through 20. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He, God, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak according to the deeds their deeds so will he repay wrath to his adversaries repayment to his enemies to the coastlands he will render repayment so they shall fear the name of the lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun for he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the lord drives and a redeemer will come to zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. God looks upon the condition of his people, spiritually, physically even, in the Old Testament, looks upon their condition and says, I will come to them and rescue them. He puts on the breastplate of righteousness and comes down into that spiritual dystopia that was described earlier in Isaiah 59. This means something for us quite significant. This means righteousness is not something we can achieve or gain through our good works. Our achievement and our good works can't overcome that that picture that we saw earlier in Isaiah 59. Someone, something greater than what we could do, had to overcome such a spiritual dystopia. So God says, fine, I will come. I will come. It is something God is and something God provides. That's what's found in the breastplate of righteousness. Something that God is, something that God provides. Simply defined, righteousness is always being and doing what is right. Always being and doing what is right. We will fail at always being and doing what is right. So God takes on the, 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 the garments, if you will, goes into our place, enters into our place, into into it on our behalf to do what we could not always be and do. God comes into flesh. To be and to do right for us. The Apostle Paul in Romans says this in Romans 8, 3, and 4. Listen to this carefully. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What we could not do because of our sin, that is our rejection and rebellion against God, his ways, his works, his word, who he is, what he says, what he does, everything about God, we sin is rejecting that and rebelling against it. Because of that, God comes to do what we could not do. In 2 Corinthians 5:21 Speaking of the one who would come, the Son coming in the flesh, Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So when Paul says to the Ephesian church, when Paul says to us, put on the breastplate of righteousness, he's calling us to see and behold and cling to in wonder and worship and in faith, all that God is and has provided for us through Jesus. It is to drive us to see that provision most incredibly at the cross. That there at the cross we see this righteous transaction occur that brings us protection and defense for the things that are most vital and vulnerable in us. There at the cross. We see Jesus take on all of our unrighteousness. Paying the penalty of it in full. And there at the cross, that transaction is Jesus then bestowing or giving. Or the old word for that, imputing to us his righteousness. As if we did it ourselves. It's counted for us. And this great transaction, Jesus taking our unrighteousness and Jesus giving His righteousness guards our hearts, guards that which is most vulnerable and most vital. Our right standing with God is based solely on Jesus taking our unrighteousness and giving us His. Righteousness. Our clothes are torn and tattered. They're threadbare. And He takes them and gives us His glorious, right clothes to wear instead. And that, friends, guards our hearts. Guards our hearts. Now, I said earlier, note that. That this is armor that Paul is talking about. Because as we saw earlier in Ephesians 6, we live in a world that has schemes operating to divert us from following after Jesus. And so what could then be schemes set up to divert our hearts, that which is vulnerable, that which is vital, from clinging to the righteousness of Christ given to us? Well, I think one particular kind of scheme that the breastplate of righteousness is to guard our hearts against is the scheme that says that you are to live in such a way to measure up to what God expects. That you are to live up to this. That you are to work really, really hard to get what God is offering to you in Christ, no one is good enough to get what only Christ can give, and so diverting your attention away from Jesus, this scheme is operating, thinking that you can do enough to be accepted by God, and it preys upon your pride that you contribute to this thing called salvation and maybe that 's not necessarily the the particular Struggle that you might wrestle with. It is one that many do. That they bring something to the table. Well, Christ has already laid out the feast. You've been invited to somebody's home. Some of you have probably responded, what can I bring, right? You're gathering for a meal, for a feast. You want to, you feel that impulse. I got to bring something. Can I bring the dessert? Can I bring some cookies? Can I bring some napkins? Anything, anything. You're, you're anxious about bringing something. Yes? No? Okay. I think so. My suspicion is you're a human beings, So yes, you do think this way. And Christ is saying, nope. I have it all. I have it all provided. Just come and eat and feast with me. So there is a scheme that says, no, you have to bring something. You have to bring something. The other scheme that I think it guards against that maybe more of us in here struggle with is we know ourselves, we know the thoughts that rattle around in our head, we know the things that we've said or we've done, we know the sting of shame and of guilt. And it's the scheme that says God doesn't love you. He couldn't love you. The breastplate of righteousness guards our hearts against that particular scheme. That says no one can be loved by God. Instead, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness says no one is too far from the loving reach of God. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life. He didn't wait for you to be better. In the worst, Christ died for us. Provided that righteousness. Took on all of our unrighteousness. So when we think of the magnitude of what Christ did willingly on the cross when we think of all that it entails, there's no one too far from the loving reach of God. This scheme wants to divert your attention away from Jesus, thinking you will never be accepted by God and it preys upon your fears and your failures. I think many more of us Struggle with that particular scheme. That particular issue. The breastplate of righteousness. That God put on as armor. Means he fought the battle we could not fight. In order to give us the victory we could not win. And when we think about that. And we see how that guards our heart. One of the benefits of putting on, if you will, the breastplate of righteousness is that it humbles proud hearts and picks up broken ones. It humbles the proud heart. Christ did it all. And it picks up the broken ones. Christ did it all. And this we have. This we have to guard our hearts, that which is most vulnerable and vital to us. This we have. And as you put that on, not only does it guard your heart, but it also gives you courage. It gives you courage. It encourages you and enables you to live out your faith. Live out your loving and following Jesus in this world. With your heart. In a world that's filled with schemes. And right out of the gate. What scheme then does this righteous, this righteousness cover against, counter against? Well, a third scheme that the breastplate of righteousness takes on is the scheme that convinces us that sin isn't all that bad and it doesn't really matter how you live. That sin isn't all that bad and it doesn't really matter how you live. There's an overreaction, if you will, that's associated with this scheme. The overaction is to realizing you can't be good enough and that God will do it for all of us is then to divert you from seeing that righteousness we receive from Jesus is the same righteousness we will grow in reflecting in the manner of our lives. This scheme says that it's not that big of a deal how you live. Whereas the cross says This is how grand of a deal it is. I've taken all this on, but also have given all this to you so as to see you live and grow in it. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it gives us courage to not take sin lightly. Or to look at the sinful habits and patterns in our lives with a meh sort of attitude. It helps us to see the significance of living in light of all that we have received. Walk your heart through this. If Jesus endured the pain of the cross, we can't take sin lightly. If Jesus overcame death, we can't continue to live as if we are spiritually dead. If Jesus rescues us from darkness, we can't continue to grope around in the dark. The breastplate of righteousness not only shows us what we have victory over, but also what we have been won to. We have been won to a new life to be lived. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That we are to live in light of all that God has rescued us to. Now, it's important to keep the order right. We we don't live this in order to gain what Christ has won. We live it because Christ has won. And so we are to pursue it. We are to pursue this. We have the courage to pursue it. Not to buckle under the schemes of this world that says you have to do enough to be accepted. You can never do enough to be accepted. Or that... However, you live doesn't really matter. All of those things are competing for your heart, and the breastplace of righteousness guards your heart and gives you courage to live in light of it. And so when we think about what life is like in the world full of schemes that are set to divert you from following Jesus, we very we realize very quickly we need all that we have in Jesus to face all sorts of struggles. And thinking about the armor of God is to set our thoughts and affections on the god who has supplied all we need for the struggle in the person and work of jesus it's not just protection from something but also protection for something and we can have the courage to face the struggle to live in light of what the same author says to his protégé timothy in 2 timothy 2:22 so flee youthful passions And pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This flee-pursue dynamic is given the security and motivation, all that is needed in the breastplate of righteousness. God has provided all that we need to flee and pursue. So therefore, when we think about all of this, the role of this breastplate is ultimately to drive us to Jesus to drive us to Jesus in whom we have redemption from sin it is to drive us to the holy spirit in whom works in us all that christ has won it is to drive us to god who has provided everything we need in this life in this world with these hearts that we have that are so vulnerable so easily damaged so easily bruised so easily diverted And so we put on the breastplate of righteousness. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, we're encouraged with these words, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is what we put on in this breastplate. All that God has done for us. So how do we put it on? How do we go about putting that on in our lives? Well, first of all, we need to rest in all that God has done for us in Christ. We need to rest in that. That is to put our thoughts, our affections, our trust, our faith in that which God has provided for us through Jesus. That our hearts will indeed be restless until they rest in Christ. We will experience the vulnerability of, of not having security or confidence to live out our lives if we are not resting in all that God has provided for us in Jesus. But by resting in that, seeing that it is sufficient for all of our sin and for all of our lives until our life ends or Christ returns, that we gain from that security and confidence where our hearts are guarded and our faith is encouraged to live in light. Of that which we are resting in. So we rest in it. We rest in it by making much of it to ourselves. We make much of it together. We rest in it by singing of it. By praying it. By speaking it. By thinking on it. By praying through it. By sharing it with each other and with others. We rest in it. It's the thing that is most vitally important for us. How else do we put it on? Well, we rejoice over it. For those who are in Christ, who put your faith and trust and hope in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as your only means of salvation. If that's true of you, then, then you have overwhelming reasons to have a rejoicing heart. You once were like the earlier passage in Isaiah 59. Groping around in the dark, without hope. Wondering if there would ever be anything. And then God came bursting into your life. Bringing light into the dark. Life where there is death. Righteousness where there was only unrighteousness. Giving to you what you could never create on your own. This is to to propel the heart into the response of joy and wonder and worship. God wasn't obligated to do it. It was the overflow of His love. He didn't Earn it. You didn't cause God to do anything. Oh, he's he's getting his life together. Look at that. Good for you. I'm going to come down and give you the little boost that you need to get over that last hurdle. No, he entered into our humanity. He took on all the consequences of our depravity. And he gave us something that will last for all eternity. I don't know of anything better than that to rejoice the heart. To gladden the soul. To equip you to sing in days of sorrow. I don't know anything better than that. How do you put the breastplate of righteousness on you? Rejoice over all that God has done for you in Christ. And then thirdly, you rely. You rely on it. Just like you hope. In this next game, that Bruins goalie puts on those pads with that sense of security and that irrational confidence. So we put on this. We rely on all that God has provided for us to be enough for all that we face in our lives, for all those struggles of our own hearts for all the situations and circumstances of this world, of this life, the things that go wrong unexpectedly, the, the issues that uh, show up out of nowhere and are complicated, for all the things that we face in life. We rely. We rely on what God has given to us. We guard our hearts and encourage our faith when we rest in all that Jesus has done for us, when we rejoice over the love of God for us, and we rely upon the power of God at work within us. That is what we put on in this breastplate of righteousness. So much of this world is to bring unrest to our hearts, to make us feel like we're not good enough, or to make us feel like we're too bad, that God doesn't love us, that our bad is so bad that there is no hope. Every day we are going to wake up with those schemes seeking to provoke our hearts and to divert us off of trusting Jesus. Our hope for such a struggle is found in the righteousness of Christ that God put on the armor and he showed up in our world to do what we couldn't do, to give what we couldn't gain. When the world darkens your heart and when the schemes around you discourage you, rehearse to your heart the righteousness of Christ. And for many of you, you may need to remind yourself again and again when you look at the cross God loves me this much, I know. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would indeed guard our hearts and give us courage. Our hearts are easily provoked to fear or unbelief or to pride our apathy, our our hearts can wander to and fro. And God, we would pray that we would be a people that would be greatly encouraged all the more when we look at your righteousness provided for us in the person and work of Christ. That it would indeed protect and defend that vulnerable and vital heart. That it would indeed give us courage to live out our lives in this world. Oh God, help us, we pray. We do need you. We need you every hour. And we pray that we would see that in increasing ways. That you meet us in that every hour. May we rest. May we be a rejoicing people. May we rely upon all that you have provided. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.